Good morning, and welcome to our daily word and prayer on this Saturday morning. As we get into the Word of God, talk about it. On Saturdays, we like to talk about maybe a contemporary issue or something, uh, a story from campus. And today, I would like to talk about what the students are often interested in. And we had quite a bit of discussion about at Iowa State University this past week, and that's this. Tom, are you and your wife equal? Now, if you're married, this is going to be particularly important to you. And it might not be a question you think about, or if it is a question you talk about, it's going to be particularly important to you. All right? But if you're not married, let me say that some people ask me, well, how does this relate to the gospel? Well, it certainly does, because this marriage and the picture of marriage is a, pic- it is a picture of our relationship with Jesus, but far more important, not, excuse me, not maybe more important, but very, very important, is what people are learning in their universities today about male, female, guy, girl, man, woman, relationships, and what marriage should be, the things that are being taught is almost a sure formula for a destructive, angry marriage. And no doubt, it's one of the reasons that many of our marriages don't make it and are not happy. And so today, I'd like to share with you what the Bible says, what I share with the students and tell them they should be thinking about before they get married. And the advice I have to do, I have to give here, I think is priceless advice on how to have a happy marriage. And it comes from the Bible. It's true. It's in the Bible. We should believe it. Now, students have been told all kind, that marriage is a part of the patriarchy. Marriage was made up by men. It's a social construct designed to hold women down and that we have new marriage rules, new marriage ideas in our day and age to protect us from, uh, to, to give women their rights and their rightful place. And we're often told, I, I wish I had two slides I could make here, but they, many times they've heard the verse from 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4, which goes like this, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And they, they're upset about that. They say, wait a minute, I'm my own person. And even when they hear this, the rest of the verse, the rest of the sentence says, and likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And believe it or not, well, you probably can believe it. They're often told the first half of this sentence and not the second half. As if the woman is to be the slave of the man, the wife the slave of the husband, and it's all one way. But notice, when you get married, one of the things the the, the minister will say, do you take this woman, do you take this man to have and to hold from this day forth, better, worse, richer, poor, sickness, and health? And we say, I do. I receive you. And implicit in that is we're giving ourselves to one another. And so when we talk about this idea of, do you, you know, does my wife belong to me? The answer is, yes, she does. She gave herself to me on our wedding day 45 years ago. And likewise, on that same day, in the same moment, I gave myself to her. So she belongs to me and I belong to her. And if people don't understand that, it's a recipe. It's a recipe for failure in a marriage. You no longer belong to yourself course, we belong first and foremost to Jesus Christ. But in marriage, we give ourselves to the other person. So the question again becomes, okay, yeah, but are you equal? 
Are you equal? And again, I believe this focus on equality is a recipe for disaster. And so I tell the students, no, I'm not equal. What are we? We're one. In the Bible, the Bible doesn't say a husband and wife is equal. As a matter of fact, there's very little teaching in the Bible, very little focus on about us being equal, but about rather about us being one. Now, I'm going to clarify this in just a moment, because what we're talking about is the distinction between a role and value. When we talk about value, we are, one, we are equal before God. When we talk about our role, there are distinctions. Notice what this says, though. Genesis, three times, Jesus said it, and said it in more than one gospel, so more than, more than three times in the Bible. But in Genesis, where it describes what a marriage is, in Matthew 19, where Jesus describes marriage, and Ephesians 5, where Paul describes marriage, they all use the same verse. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, when students ask if my wife and I are equal, then, of course, sometimes I say things to want to get them to think and to think about what words mean, because words have meaning. And in our day and age, more and more, words are don't have meaning. People are changing words. They're making them say whatever they want them to say or to mean whatever they want them to mean. And it's breaking down and it's affecting communication. So when I, when they ask, are my wife and I equal? I say, no, no, we're not equal. We're one. And brothers and sisters, there's a big distinction here between being equal and being one. I, I've learned this in marriage, but maybe I could illustrate it by a sports analogy if I could. And the sports analogy I learned when I was coaching sports. And that's this. There are some coaches that, like, say, basketball team. They want every boy to dribble the ball the same amount, shoot the ball the same amount, touch the ball the same amount. And they think that that's going to be how how a team ought to operate. And in my mind, that's kind of like the socialism idea. And I always taught my boys, I as a coach – took the time to understand what strength each boy had. I figured out who could play defense, who could shoot the ball, who could dribble the ball, who could set a pick, who could get a rebound. And I found very rarely was one person the best in all of those things. But I also found that every boy could do something well, but not everything well. And so on my teams, I made the effort to try and say, the boy who can shoot the ball, let's let him shoot the ball. The boy who can dribble the ball, Let's let him dribble more. The boy who can play defense often couldn't shoot the ball at all, but he could really help our team out by guarding the best player on the other team. The guy who could get, I I gave each boy the sense that what they could do was valuable. Not to compare, I'm not as good because I don't get to do what that guy does, but to know their role on the team. And as a result, our teams understood we were one. We were one. We weren't equal. We were one. I say in sports, a team that focuses on equality will be a team that loses a lot of games. There'll be a team that grumbles. There'll be a team that complains. There'll be a team that says, I didn't get to shoot enough. I didn't get to touch the ball enough. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Teams that win understand oneness, and even players that don't get in the game at the higher levels are happy their team wins because they realize they, they bought in. I'm a part of the team. 
my, the, what we did in practice, what I did maybe on the scout squad, whatever. It's all matters. And so with my wife and I, we've learned that if we focus on oneness, that means we're family. We're not competing. We're not. You see, when you have equality, both people are going to think, you know, I did my 50% and you, you're slacking. Both sides will always think that. The, the wife will think, you know, I pitched in my 50%. You're not doing your part. The husband will think the same thing. Why? Because we really are different. We really are different. But different does not mean one is better than the other. Different, it only means different. In our day and age where, where this role, gender confusion is trying to say men are boys, boys are women, it's trying to tear apart any distinction, it's trying to say that any difference whatsoever other than the one physiological difference down there, that every other difference that we talk about or think about is what, we, what they call a social construct. We have made it up. It's not real. But God did make us different. <clears throat> God did make us different. Let me go on real quick. I want to talk about equality and then this difference. Where are we equal, shall we say? Galatians 3.28, I have a typo there if you're looking. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there, man, there's neither man or fee, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Again, he uses the word one. But he breaks down the distinctions that we see in the world, a Jew and a Greek, a, a male and a female, a slave and a free. And he says, before God, you're all one. There is a equality of value. Christ died for slave and free alike, for Jew and Gentile alike for male and female alike. The blood of Christ saves every each of us equally. There doesn't, there's not different blood for men than there is for women. There's not different salvation or different savior for men than women. We're all one and we stand on equal. As sinners in need of grace and salvation, we all stand on the same ground at the cross and it's all equal there. But... When it comes to equality before equality of value, we have an equality of value before God, but we have a distinction of roles. We have a distinction of roles. And I want to speak here for a minute about how the focus is in our culture today and the accusations against the church are the things women can't do. And there wants to be this belief that women can do anything. And women can compete with men on, on their ground. And women can make the same amount as a man makes. And men, women can lead the same as a man. And I'm not, you know, in the, in the corporate world or things like that, I'm fine. But what's lost? <clears throat> what's lost? And parents, what we must build into our children. And we've got to realize the societal pressure to reject what I'm about to say is the value of having children, the value of being a mother, the value of being a team, the value of instead of saying what he makes, <clears throat> excuse me, and what she makes, to say what we make, to have one purse. Many couples today don't, don't have the same bank account. They don't have the same checkbook. They, their money's separate. And, and what, this very fundamental area, <clears throat> excuse me, 
where we should have a oneness in how we live and how we make our money because often the world's telling us our value is based on how much money we make. And that's not what bases our value. And so often we're saying, well, you know, you think men are more important because they make more money. That's not how we base our value. Or men are leaders and women are to, uh, in a family, the the man's head of the home. And we say, well, that makes him more valuable. Not at all. Jesus even said greatness in the kingdom of God is the person who's the servant of all. We saw this yesterday in our daily word and prayer. Leadership is not that I get on top and get to dominate you and get to tell you what to do. Leadership means I get underneath and I serve you like Jesus who washed the feet. And he didn't call us to serve him. He called us to follow him. And this is so important that we understand. The kingdom of God turns it all on his head. Or shall we say, what God originally intended and created and the rebellion, when Satan got control of the world system, he's the one who turned it on their head. And now we do have oppression of women, but but some, I mean, some people go the one extreme of really oppressing women, but in, but we've got to get back to the standard of this oneness of what God says. Are there different roles? Yes. A wife has the capacity to have a baby grow in her. No man can do that. No matter what they say, men can't have a baby. And then she has the capacity to nurse that child. And God has built something into her that is not in most men. That's different. And it does, does it mean one's better than the other? The only way you think one is better is if you look at value based on how much money you make. And we don't. If you don't think it's valuable to raise a child, to be a mother, to bear a child, to bring a life, to shape a life, to shape the life of the person you will, that will be with you the rest of your life and will probably tend to you in your dying days when you're weak and disabled, if you don't value that, that means you've bought into the world system, my friend. And so what I enjoy doing, and of course, we talked for this a long time on campus, and there's all this pushback, all this pushback of, that this is uh, uh, misogynist or this is uh, sexist or things like this. Don't let words like that intimidate you. Folks, in your family, focus on oneness. We work together to get the job done. One of you might be stronger, one of you might be smarter. When you, you have different gifts, you have different abilities. If you're both identical, one's not really needed, right? No, we are, we're different. We bring different things to the family. And as we work together and cooperate together, we bring out the best in one another. We don't try and make our spouse like us. We appreciate their gifts, talents, abilities, and roles. And we do our job well. They do their job well. And we're, and as we become one, we get the job done and we raise a good family. We raise kids and we teach this to our children as well. It's very, very important. This is this basic biblical understanding of Christian family and this base and bringing out the best and loving one another and embracing our role and, and understanding the value of a family and children and that children aren't just a economic liability. They are an, uh, an investment. They are indeed our most precious asset as moms and dads. Understanding this is so contrary to what they're taught today. It's so contrary. And indeed, 
the the secularist. They they ruin all they touch. Indeed, how much, look at the damage they have done to the family in our country today. As we have departed from Christian values in husband-wife relationship and in embracing our unique, our, our equal value, but our unique and distinct roles as that has been obliterated in our schools and so many places, look at the damage it's done to families, to marriages, to children, to the economy, to so many things. We want to get back to this basic. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you today and praise you for the families you've given us. I want to thank you, Lord, for the uh, for how you've make you've made us male and female. And we know, Lord, that the secularists are trying to blur that as if there's no real difference there, as if it's all a social construct, as if it's all just made up by us. We thank you, Father, that you created us this way. You've given us each distinct skills, talents, abilities. You've given us various nature. We want to thank you for these roles. I pray, Father, that you would help us to value one another. I pray the husbands would truly love and value their wives. And I pray that the wives would truly honor and respect their husbands. And I pray that all, Lord, all of us would realize that I'm no longer my own. I've given myself to my spouse and I belong to them. Under Jesus, I belong to them. I pray our marriages would bring out the best in one another. Oh, Lord, I see that some marriages, it seems like people bring out the worst in one another, and people become a worse person through marriage. When I really believe, Lord, as we follow your ways and your truth, that we will learn to become better people, and our spouse, you will use our spouse to make us better people and bring out the best in us. Oh, Father, we pray for we pray for our children. We pray for the young people in our churches to see through and not be, not be deceived, indoctrinated, brainwashed, confused by all that's being taught with the gender identity confusion. But there'd be an embracing of your truth and, that, that, and as we walk in your ways, we know we'll be blessed. Help us, Father, to think about this well. Give us grace to apply it, we ask. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, hey, hope this has been helpful to you. Hope this has been helpful. If you want, maybe I'll do a whole series on this sometime before long, husbands and wives, because there's so much we need to learn. And this is our real school. I know when I got married, my uh, pastor, Dennis Clark, he pointed out to me, your family will be your schoolroom. The school where God wants to develop you and, and make you more and more like Christ. A lot of that curriculum that God has for me and for you will go on in the home. And if you are cooperating with the Lord and walking in the spirit, you'll grow and mature, become strong. And like I say, you'll bring out the best in one another. If on the other hand, you don't, well, you don't want to fail there. You don't want to fail in the home. And um, amen, amen. So, If you're new today, I hope you'll join us regularly. We come here every day, 8.30 a.m. live, and we get into the Word of God, and we realize the need to do that because we live in a world where we're getting conflicting messages. We want to build our lives on the Word of God. So if you're new, make sure you subscribe, join our community, come back every day, make a commitment to be here. Don't just come when you feel like it. You can come later in the day. You can listen to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. 
but it's that day by day, bit by bit, building the Word of God. That's what makes a difference. To those of you who are here every day, thanks for joining me. I love you guys. So glad you're here. And I know that when I teach the Word to you guys, God's seed is falling on good soil. It's going to bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. That encourages me. Thanks for being here. I love you. Until we see you tomorrow, might the Lord bless you, strengthen you, fill you with grace and peace as we walk in His ways. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.